I get such a sense of belonging in the outdoors when you find those crappie or you take a white tail. All the puzzle pieces yeah. of figuring that out, you feel accomplished when you're doing that. Definitely. We fished 120 days last year. The hard part's not catching them. The hard part's finding them. Well, there's tip number one right yeah. there. Yeah. People say, well, what kind of depth finder do you use? And I said, well, if I'm wading the creek, I said, it's a pair of Chuck Taylor tennis shoes. <laughs> 60 Seasons was my second book. And I felt compelled to write that. It takes somebody's learning curve and accelerate that. It's just full of fishing tips that are practical fishing tips. If you're looking for a big fish, which, you know. <laughs> Who's not? Yeah, yeah. I've got on my record over 1,500 over five pounds, with the biggest being 11.3 caught in the state of Tennessee. And most of mine were caught on jigs because they're silent. They've got a natural swimming motion. It's a random action because each one of us would fish that a little bit differently. Sure. Uh -huh. They never catch on to that. I'll have people come up and say, you know, I want something that looks like a minnow and acts like a minnow. I said, I want to buy a minnow. <laughs> <laughs> you can frown on it when you see those stringers full of big crappie. The award-winning Tennessee Wildcast is on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, wildlife watching, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We've got a great show lined up for you today. We sure do. We we have Joey Monteleone back with us I'm today. I'm excited. Man, I'm excited, too. He's got all kinds of great tips for us, great insight. He's been fishing for a long time. We'll get into the years here in a minute, maybe, and, and discuss a few things, but I'm excited to have him. Don, do you want to kick off with yeah, the station? That, you know, that radio thing uh, that we do, the little shout-out, I mean, it's only appropriate that we do WSM 650 WSM, the home of the Grand Ole Opry, because Joey's on there every single weekday morning. So uh, if you if you get up early enough, you, get, you catch he and... Bill Cody, Charlie Mattis, and, and the gang uh, doing outdoor news and, you know, a lot about fishing, of course, because mm -hmm. Joey's doing it, but uh, there's there's a lot of good stuff about, you know, wearing your life jacket, about just just good good common sense outdoor stuff. And uh, so anyway, we are on with Wildcast as well, uh, 6.30 a.m. on Saturday mornings yep. and uh, every day of the week at 5.55, you can tune in and, and hear the Wildcast extras. Yeah. So. So uh, anyway, excited to have Joey here with us today. We appreciate our radio partners. And as always, go check us out on your favorite podcasting platform. Like us, share us, uh, follow us, uh, find us out there on social media and like us, follow us there too. We are everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. We are everywhere and we are glad to have Joey with us. Uh, Joey Monteleone, he's everywhere. He's out in the water fishing all the time and <laughs> he's going to fill us up with all kinds of fishing inside here today yeah and i hunt but usually if it's nice enough to be outside i'm gonna fish but i hey i like climbing up in that tree stand too i yeah i boy watching the woods wake up and you know i was talking to debbie on the way in here my partner debbie brian we as we were coming in you know I was talking about i said you know i've been to a lot of places i've been lucky i guided for uh, canoe trips in Canada for 27 summers and, wow. and fished in uh, uh, Mexico doing a video for Bass Pro Shops and, and been to Hawaii and fished a freshwater dole pineapple uh, uh, plantation lakes down there. And I, everywhere I've been, I'll tell you, I've never been anywhere that's prettier and more diverse than the state of Tennessee. And I lived in Missouri, which is, you know, it's a pretty state and we've yeah. got a lot of stuff, but yeah. it's not, mm -hmm. it's not Tennessee. Uh -huh. Not Tennessee. Yeah. So I won't be saying I'll be Tennesseeing you for a long time. <laughs> I'll, I'm going to turn my toes up here, I can tell you. Uh, Pretty great. place. Yeah, Tennessee is a place to be. It's beautiful uh, from east to west. you got all different uh, 
topography and it's just amazing the difference you know from from each corner yeah and the three stars on the flag i didn't know this until recently but the three stars on the flags are indications of the different geographic we have we've got the mountains if you go east we've got the mississippi delta essentially if you go west and my heart belongs in middle yeah love it i mean we got a little bit of everything and it's you're not too far from anything because you can you can get to any place you want to go pr- pretty quickly you are exactly right yeah. i've been everywhere man yeah yeah I can't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I I forget about all those places that you've had the the pleasure and the opportunity oh. to fish. But hey, Tennessee's still home. Oh, it is. Yeah. It is. No, there's. I mean, I, I I do often say there's no place I'd rather be than in Tennessee, and it's I, that's true. Uh-huh. I mean, when I went to Canada. I mean, more smallmouth than should be legally allowed, but I couldn't wait to get back home. You know, I want to. I want to get back to where home is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's. If if you like the outdoors, I, I just can't think of any place where you can do all the same things in one state like you can here. Yeah. It, 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 even if it's not hunting or fishing, you know, we talk about there's a plate for watchable wildlife uh, where we live now. We moved down to Deckard, and we live right on the. Uh, we live right on Woods Lake, and I'm telling you, eagles, seagulls. Pelicans. We last uh, last week we had a fox, a beaver, and um, several other creatures walking by in our front yard. If you're a turkey hunter and you want to come by and sit on the porch and shoot a turkey, I mean, <laughs> mar- marching right past right past the house. I mean, it's it's just crazy, and we love it. I mean, yeah. I, there, there's something I never tire of seeing white-tailed deer. And oh, then, I know it never gets old. Does it, it? And then if you think about the restoration programs. I'm older than both. I'm both older than both you put together, Bob. Out, but <laughs> no, but, no, no. But the thing about that is, for people that lived here, you know, in the early '50s and said you didn't see any deer, I said you can thank the TWRA, the restoration program. Yeah. And if you want to start counting them off, the elk, the sturgeon, mm-hmm. the wild turkey. You know, those are success stories that exactly. belong to the TWRA. A wonderful, wonderful success stories. This message brought to you by Joy Montana. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. I mean, it's easy for me. And by the way, uh, I'm wearing the life jacket to, as a reminder. I was going to make sure we're not on water right now, Joy. Why are you wearing your life jacket? Well, it's a reminder to people. It's a reminder to people that you know they float. You don't. Yeah. You know. And uh, I believe in the life jackets. We do not. We we fish out of kayaks, and we do not. I don't care where we are. It can be a creek that's four feet deep. We're wearing a life jacket all the time because a. It, it's an, it, you shouldn't have to have somebody tell you to do that, but we feel like we're examples for people. If somebody sees us out and recognizes us saying, oh, I caught you, no, no. If you catch me without a life jacket, you come on up. I'm going to give you some big prize, won't we? but you're not going to see me without a life jacket. Amen. And they Amen. do save lives. Yep, they do. They yeah. do. And as much as you guys post, I mean, that's awesome, you know, just out there promoting the sport and the, the opportunities we have here in Tennessee, plus you, you've – it's – you know, understated, but you've got your life jackets on. We appreciate that all the time. Well, I and I appreciate you all in the reminders because it's and just a tip for the kayakers. I, you know, I always say people say, "Well, what do you think of live scope?" And what do you? Th-? I said, if it's legal. And, and you choose to do it that way, that's your preference. I say that's why there's chocolate and vanilla ice cream. Uh-huh. But for me, it's I'm telling kayakers, I would suggest that you don't wear an inflatable life jacket because it requires some action on your part. If you're wearing one of these full jackets, if you go over, you don't have to do anything other than 
Bob, and grab go back to where you you know where you belong. Uh-huh. So I I suggest. Plus, in the wintertime, these are warmer. Yeah, you know. So there's an advantage of doing this, and they make them now where I mean you've got so much mobility that you can cast and you can paddle and you can do everything you could do otherwise. You forget that it's even on. Right. Yeah. So it's a uh, life jackets do save lives. I'm I'm, I'm I'm pleading with people every week. Please, please wear your life jackets. Put them on your kids. Be an example to the other people in the outdoors. So gun safety, life jackets, the whole nine yards. Make sure you, you you know that's how you get home every every outing is exactly is being safe. Yeah. Well, if you you know there are other types of life jackets out there. Those inflatables, like you mentioned, some of them are automatic, which are great. If that's what you want, at least you got one on, right? I mean, you uh, know which which one is the right one, especially if you're riding a jet ski. Some you know you can't wear inflatables on a jet ski right. and things like that, and kids can't wear them. Make sure you got your life jacket on a kid too. Right? I mean, you you'd even give them off one off your back. I, I would, I would, because we carry spares. And you know when people say you know I and I'm a, I do this with everybody I'm I'm a equal opportunity offender I see somebody out there that's not wearing a life jacket and I'll send them a private message on Facebook or Instagram saying no life jacket man I said that's a bad thing to do and he said oh he said I swim like the fish and I said I've, when I was guiding in Canada and people would kind of balk about wearing the life jacket I said you ever been plunged into 62 degree water where you can't see the other side. I said, there's a difference between jumping into a pool yeah. and being flipped out of a boat, which is a traumatic event, or if you have your child, or people get nutty about their equipment, you know, and they're saying, I got I'm telling you, that life jacket's going to save your life. Yeah. And you don't have to think. This is thinking for you. When you go in, it's yeah. like it's saying, go back to the... Ter-. And if you've never been pitched out of a boat, and I have been twice, uh, a big bass boat, oh, and, wow. and a kayak that I turtled, that I rolled, uh-huh. because I did something stupid, admitting I did something stupid, and I was going after a custom-made rod, and I lurched forward, and it, it rolled my kayak. It was in March. I was by myself in 52-degree water, Ooh, wow. popped right back up, lost four rods, but I didn't lose my life. Yeah, And that ca- it's an, it wasn't the kayak's fault, and the, and the life jacket, without a doubt, I believe saved my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's a, a good message and one to take home. Remember, yep. Well, and you know more about it than anybody. You're out there hundred plus days a year, right? Fishing and 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 having a good time, and and most of the time now in a kayak. Right? Most of the time in a kayak. Uh, we fished 120 days last year, and they weren't all pretty. <laughs> and <laughs> and if you're in a kayak, the wind is not your friend. Right. You know, they call the wind Mariah. I don't call the wind Mariah. <laughs> I can't tell you what I call the wind. But when it's and there's times too when we say it's just not safe to go out. Yeah. You know, and I love to be outdoors as much as anybody, and I'm with somebody who feels exactly the same way. But there's times when you say, we don't, you, you know, I, I've, I've been criticized for saying this, but I really believe this. There's no such thing as bad weather, just people who aren't prepared for it. Right. So when there's cold weather, if you're, if you're dressed properly and you're, you know, you're wearing the, all the safety equipment that you should wear and, you know, people that are climbing into tree stands and you're not wearing a safety harness, you know, you're climbing into a boat, you know, when the, when the weather's even a little sketchy, if it's, if it's not too far out of bounds, Go. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. go and enjoy that and, and enjoy it for what it is. And if you're a hunter and you go out in the cold, buddy, I'm telling you, you're going to see some wildlife. Yeah. They've got to they've got to keep moving and they got to eat. Uh-huh. You know, so you're going to see some wildlife. And if you're a fisherman, if you're missing winter fisherman fishing, <laughs> you're missing a bunch. Because yeah. when, when you're on them, you know, they're not going to be in two feet of water. But, boy, when you find them, they're all schooled up and you can catch as many as you can catch. You know, so it's a... It's a, it's quite a deal. And again, we live in a state that doesn't have, we have winter, but not a lot of winter. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It can get cold sometimes, but it's, uh, winter has some warm days too. Yeah. <laughs> Here in Tennessee. Yeah. And, for sure. and to me, if I see two or three warm days in January or February, 
I go and I look for the northwest side of the lake and I go to long tramps, sandbars, rock piles and all that because that heat will radiate and those bait fish will start to move in. And I'm telling you, it's almost like it shouldn't be fair because you, you go in there, you're going to catch them, and you'll find them. The hard part's not catching them. The hard part's finding them. Uh-huh. Once you find them, you can catch them. Well, there's tip number one right yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Joey's great at documentation. You know, he can keep he can let you know how many how many bass he's caught in his career. And then, and I noticed there's 60 years of documentation, plus 60 plus years right now, right? Yeah, yeah. 60 Seasons was my second book. And I felt compelled to write that because when something happens to me, and I'm not goofy enough to think I'm going to live forever. So if something happens to me, I didn't want the knowledge that I gained the hard way. I wanted to, uh, accept, uh, to take somebody's learning curve and accelerate that, whether it's a, a kid or an adult. And uh, so I wrote 60 Seasons and it's got it's just full of fishing tips that are practical fishing tips. And this is, it's, as, it's not no tech, but it's low tech. You yeah, know, yeah. that when people say, well, what kind of depth finder do you use? And I said, well, if I'm wading the creek, I said, it's a pair of Chuck Taylor tennis shoes. <laughs> I said, otherwise, it's a pair of striking sunglasses. And I said, you know, I'm an intuitive, instinctive kind of, and whether I hunt or fish, it's all the same. And boy, there's, I, you, I get such a sense of uh, belonging in the outdoors when you find those crappie or you take a white tail or whatever, you know, when you've, you, you, it's the, all the puzzle pieces yeah. of figuring that out. Yeah. Man, that's a, you feel accomplished when you're doing that. Definitely, definitely. And chasing turkeys, that's a hard one. This time of year, turkeys are, uh, it takes some skill to get on one of those birds. Yeah, and I, I guess, and I'm guessing this because I'm not much of a turkey hunter, but I, I'm guessing that after early part of the season, they kind of get a little bit wary, and you know, so it's a little bit different. And here again, shout out to the TWRA because for me, I see things, and you guys are not reactive; you're proactive. And when the when the flock is dwindling, and you go back and change the season by two weeks, and you know, so you cut off two weeks mm-hmm. in the front, and you can take a Jake, but you do want to go to tnwildlife.org and make sure that you're make sure that you're getting everything correct. Correct. Right. You know, exactly. Yep. Yep. But you know, there's that's a reaction to that. In deer season, whatever region you're in, you need to check because there was like a doe a day for years in certain mm-hmm. regions. It's not that way anyway. And that's okay. Yeah. Because from when people understand your what I love about this is true to your um true to your vision statement and mission statement is you're managing for sustainable populations. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's all about, whether yeah. it's fishing or hunting or whatever it is. That when you see that 12-year-old kid out there and said, there's going to be deer because what, of what we're doing. Yeah. And there's going to be, you know, the days are taking 100 crappie and cleaning them. Those days are over. And, and I don't I don't want to clean 12 of, of anything. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Yeah, for me, it's like, so go back in there and, you know, catch and release. And, you know, in the fall for the crappie, it's released to the grease. You know, and they're in the spring... <laughs> In the spring, you you in the spring you don't want to take all those crappie because you want you don't want to decimate your fishing hole. So the spawners, I call it the fifty fifty rule: you catch one if you want to keep it, then you put the next one back. Mm. So you know when you go uh-huh. back next year, there's not hey we're all a crappie. Well, right, they're yeah. here, they're here because you put some of them back in the fall or post spawn. You want to take a few, take a few. Yeah, but you know for us it's like whatever you can get that's a meal and the smallest legal fish is the most renewable resource. Like if you're in a place where the bass are, you know, it's it's any size and, and five no matter what they are, take a 10 or 11-inch bass. That's replaceable in a year and a half. Uh-huh. You know, when you take a five-pounder, you know, if you plus there's no sense in eating a five-pound fish. But to me, it's like if you're taking a five-pounder, that's probably seven or eight years worth of growth there. Yeah. So it's going to take seven or eight years and the genetics to do that. Uh-huh. So that shouldn't be lost on people. Yeah. 
Definitely. I've been sitting here thinking about the kayak stuff. Uh, you do a lot of fishing out of a kayak. What's some What's some pointers you'd give folks? Um, I know you're a Jackson guy, but for any kayak, what kind of a gear do you need or, or, or things that you need for that kayak or you think would be valuable for a fisherman? I am going to be posting a blog post that I just did that's, oh. that's basic stuff, and it doesn't matter to me. Who you you know I I use sponsor stuff but it doesn't matter to me get a quality life jacket because safety first mm-hmm. yeah you know and, and when I would do the boat show and I've done them all over the country when I do a boat show and somebody would say well you know I, I don't want to do a kayak I said bad experience right and I said yeah how'd you know I said that's usually what stops people from kayaks and canoes <laughs> you know but I, and they'd say well you know I can get such and such I can get that little nine foot kayak and it's this and I said I have one question for you, you got grandkids I said yes yeah. I said would you put your grandkid in that and I said no I said then don't buy it. You know, it's the same way. So safety first. So get, you know, the quality of the kayak is based off of the what you're going to use it for. Okay. You know, if you're going to fish little creeks and streams, and if you go to the T the 18 jewels of the of the Tennessee, the TWRA managed lakes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've got a. I had an eight and a half pounder the first time I fished over at Browns Creek. Uh-huh. You know, that didn't happen by accident. <laughs> yeah, right. My catch might have been by accident, but they're there because they're managed. So. Where you're going to use it. So, <clears throat> life jacket, we carry flags that we can put up in the back of our kayaks uh-huh. so we're visible. Sure. We carry whistles so we're audible, you know, so that you can so you can hear us. And we, I will stand up in my kayak and wave my paddle if I think a big boater doesn't see me. Uh-huh. And I got to tell you, most of the big boaters, regardless of the kind of boat, are very respectful of the kayakers. And the kayakers need to do exactly the same thing. So, if we're rounding a point... We watch really close that we're not, you know, getting in somebody else's way that's right. cutting around the river channel. So uh, being visible, being audible, uh, taking care of yourself from a life jacket standpoint. And then the little tools that everybody should carry. Like I keep a nightlight, you know, just in case you get, you should be thinking, if I get stuck out here, what am I going to do? Uh-huh. You know, so a dry box for uh, your phone and your car keys. You know, it's it's a lot of, it's a lot of little stuff to add up. Um Making sure that you're warm enough out there. People say, well, it looks, I said, just going to tell you, you can always take it off, but you can't, you know, it's like you can pull up to the, to the dock and say, anybody got a jacket they want to sell? <laughs> you know, so making sure footwear, headwear, all that. Yeah. And then sunglasses and hats keep hooks out of eyes and heads. You know, so wearing a hat, besides when you don't have any hair, it's a really good thing to do. <laughs> and wearing the glasses is important too, because when you're, you know, whether you're doing it or somebody else is close to your branches or whatever. So mm-hmm. it's really kind of a basic list of stuff. Uh, get you a paddle that you're comfortable with, you know, so you can go out and buy a paddle for $49, but you got a $49 paddle. Uh-huh. You know, you can go out and buy a kayak for 300 bucks, but you know, in two months when you say it's cracked, you know, so resale value on a kayak is a lot like a big boat. You you can't justify eating the fish because if you're justifying if you got a bass boat and you're justifying eating the fish, I'm sorry to tell you those fish are costing you like twelve hundred dollars a pound. <laughs> so go out there with the idea in mind that you're going to recreate and you're to me introducing somebody. You know, well, like when we've done some of the uh, free fishing days, which is right. the first Saturday in June, I believe, and you guys stock catfish. And I remember we went to I think it was Centennial Park. And watching a kid catch their first fish, oh, I've been yeah. lucky enough to do that very often. Uh-huh. You know, and, and you watch their faces light up. But if you ha- want to have some fun, watch the parents because they're seeing their kid catch their first fish. Yeah. And n- now they're, I hate to say it, but they're both hooked for life. Yeah. You know, and I've had people tell me, we would have never known how to do this. And now it's something that we can do. I, 
you know, what a, what a success story that is. That's how your legacy lives on, by exactly. introducing other people to the outdoors. Yep, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, share the passion. And I love your down-to-earth approach, too, Joey, especially, you know, thinking back to some of the earlier Wild Side episodes, and, and you do the fishing segment on those Wild Side episodes, starting, I mean, dating back to early 2000s, you know, and, uh, and uh, one thing that always... Uh, sticks in my mind is the Tennessee tackle box. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and basically that was like a lunch, a brown lunch bag, um, you know that that a kid would carry to school and uh, with with a few lures and and some uh, hooks and sinkers and stuff in it. And uh, what would you carry in your Tennessee tackle box? Well, you know what you're going to use. We all go out there and we got to have 108 fish catching colors of crankbaits. And it's yeah, like, right. it's what I saw Saturday. So I'm buying one of those. No, wait, I got to buy two of those. You know, <laughs> well, if I lose one, maybe I need three of them because my buddy may want one. So, you know, for me, it's like I want to cover all the water columns. You know, when topwater action is happening and if, if you live in Tennessee, April and May, take out the topwaters. Because there's nothing more fun than seeing a, mm. a smallmouth hit a topwater bait. It looks right. like somebody threw a sorelet out of an airplane. <laughs> I mean, it really is good stuff, you know. So you see that you see that happen. So covering all the water columns where you kind of experiment, and we have something we do. We will try the quietest lures first. So throwing your plastic worms, throwing your minnow plugs, those throw those first, then move to the something that's got a little more sound and vibration. Might be a spinner bait. Then you go to the lipless crank baits and all that kind of stuff. So sound. Quiet first, then the next, then the next, and cover surface, mid-level, and lower level. And if the water's got a flow to it, if it's got a heavy flow, those fish stay down. That's how they don't get traveled you know, down further sure, is right. they stay down or they get behind things. So if there's an obstruction for that fish to wait behind, they're pretty smart. Uh-huh. They'll sit there and wait. They'll wait behind something and dart out and grab it and go back to, to – so if, for me, it's going to be soft plastics are going to be in there uh, – when fishing is really tough, smaller lures and slower retrieves almost always will catch you a fish. So an eighth-ounce lead head, some small tubes, some little, some little small uh, three-inch worms, those kind of things, uh-huh. you know, carry those with you. The little spins, like the little old beetle spins, or mm-hmm. uh, slider makes uh, something. Um, I'm trying to remember what they call theirs. So, but at any rate, a little spinner-type bait, a little safety pin spinner for kids and even for adults. When fishing gets tough, that's a good thing to throw. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking for a big fish, which I, I'm, you know. Who's not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had, I've got, I've got on my record over fifteen hundred over five pounds. With the biggest being eleven three caught in the state of Tennessee, and most of mine were caught on jigs because they're silent. They got, um, they've got a natural swimming motion. They've got, you know, it's a random action because each one of us would fish that a little bit differently. Sure. Uh-huh. They never catch on to that ever. So a jig is, is my number one as far as looking for a big fish. And you can use a finesse jig. You can go down to a, instead of a three-eighths or a half, you can go down to a quarter or an eighth ounce and put a smaller, uh, like a little rage tail baby craw on the back of that. We catch a lot of fish doing that. Yeah. So when the water's clear, when the water's really hot, you know, in extremes, smaller baits will almost always catch a few more fish. Definitely. Small small baits will catch any size. Even some of the big baits, you'll be surprised those fish think, I got a bigger mouth than they really do. <laughs> and, and, and how many times do you hear a crappie fisherman saying, I was throwing a little crappie jig and caught a five-pound bass, you know, because the, yeah. the big baits give, you know, you have to have really good presentation. So a big bait's going to give you more clues as to not being real, but a small bait, that's a little bit of a different story. That's why people catch a lot of big fish at night, because mm. they're mistaken. Stakes are hidden. Uh-huh. You know, if you've got, you can you can throw well rope. You can throw sixty pound line out there if you want to, and you can throw the musky jitterbug. You know, they just say blah blah blah. And so, 
that you know they come calling on it so you know night fishing a lot of people catch big fish at night and a lot of people catch you know catch accidental fish i mean i've caught i caught a catfish in the stones river on a on a jig that when i'm holding it up and i'll, I'll post this picture when i'm holding it up the tail's dragging in the kayak and i've got it up to my shoulder oh wow it was a flathead and i, I i'm not good at get give me a bass i can tell you within a couple ounces what it weighs with a catfish it's like I'm going to look at it and say, that's oh, probably 50. But, <laughs> but this, was, this was a legit, like a three-and-a-half-foot-long catfish, a big flathead. And if there's an uglier fish in the state, I don't know what it is. Yeah. You know, <laughs> boy, those fish are ugly. Yeah. Uh, but caught it by accident. But, you know, that's another mark of a good lure if it's multi-species. Okay. And while we're on, if you don't mind, while we're talking about multi-species, yeah, sure. if you don't know this, Go to your website, or I like the little books. I still like the, having the book, you I know, where I can book, refer yeah. to the books. Uh -huh. So there's a boating book, there's a fishing book, there's a hunting book. But if you get the fishing book on page 44, it's got the Tennessee state records. We hold seven world record freshwater fish in the state of Tennessee, and most notably for me anyway is the a five-pound crappie, a 25-pound walleye, and, of course, the 11-15 smallmouth a record that'll never be broken. Right. You know, it's gonna you gotta break it by two ounces for the IGAF to recognize it. That ain't gonna happen. Yeah. Between fishing pressure, uh, you know, a lot of different things that happen. And if you catch a smallmouth and it's illegal and you wanna eat it, you can't eat it at my house, but if you wanna <laughs> eat it, you you know, it's yours it's your fish. So you yeah. do what you want. But that's there's there's a lot of reasons why that record will never, ever, ever be broken. And I think that was in the I think nineteen fifty five, I wanna say. Yep. Was, yeah, yep, that's right. But it yeah. sure doesn't keep people from trying, though. It's it's fun to go after them and try to get that record in it. It sure is. Oh, and, and until, you know, I was lucky enough to catch an 8-pound smallmouth, and I'm telling you, if you don't have a reverence for a fish that size or that 11-pound largemouth, I mean, I look at those fish, and I would, no taxiderma, certainly no fillet knife. I mean, you look at those fish and think about how old that is, and they are su the superior, they're the 14 the 14 point white tail in the water, you know, when you catch a fish over 10 or a smallmouth over five or six. So, right. you know, you know, give that fish its life back, put it back and watch it swim away. I mean, it give you goosebumps just watching mm -hmm. it swim away and thinking about who's going to catch it next. Uh -huh. I, I have people say, well, what'd that fish weigh? I said, I don't know. I'll let the next person weigh it. You know, so I'm putting it back. <laughs> well, I love those tips. Uh, the, the Tennessee tackle box or Tennessee tackle bag, maybe you want to call it, but just, uh, you know, having some variations and trying the different levels. That's, that's good tips for folks, yeah. you know, to start low, start, you know, uh, or start shallow, I guess, and go deep and, and quiet to lie out. I like that. Uh -huh. It's good stuff. Oh, it makes sense. I mean, if, you ever, if you've never, and for me, it's like I love to fish a farm pond because it's really a test tank for all the lures that you have. So, I mean, if you even want to drop shot, you know, which is thought of as a deep water, clear water, throw that in a farm pond. It's five or six feet. It still works, uh -huh. you know. So throwing minnow plugs, and I, you know, I kind of laugh sometimes because we get so caught up in all the hype and, I love to throw a minnow plug. I mean, I love to throw a minnow plug. And I'll have people come up and say, you know, I want something that looks like a minnow and acts like a minnow. I said, why don't you buy a minnow? <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with fishing live bait. I mean, people for years frowned on it. It's like, you can frown on it when you see those stringers full of big crappie. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, a minnow worked in a treetop. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it, it's going to work forever because especially if you've never saned and you have to have a fishing license to sane. Your bait. Uh -huh. So if you've ever seen bait like in a small creek, you know, you'll see that those wild shiners and the stuff that's in there, they have a natural fear of fish. So when you put that in there and if you're running a cork, and I've, I found some natural cork floats. That's what we called them when we were kids because they were made out of cork. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Now they're styrofoam and plastic, yeah. whatever. But if you see that cork getting nervous, there's a reason for that. Uh -huh. You know, that a fish is chasing that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they have a natural fear of that. And if you're going to say, be prepared, you're going to see some banded water snakes. 
might catch a crawfish. But what's really cool is when you're seining, you catch like last year's crappie and it's about three inches long. It looks just like a crappie, only smaller. <laughs> you know, but it's pretty it's pretty cool the things that you'll find. And if you if you know anything about stream health, you'll see that if you've got freshwater mussels or you've got um, uh, different aquatic vegetation, um, if you've got mayflies, if you've got dragonflies, if you've got all those kind of things, that's an indication of a crawfish. That's an indication of freshwater health. If you want to know, you know, if it's a if it's a good stream, that's a right. That's a good a good indication. Yeah. Well, we got about a minute and a half. We're going to run out of time here, but Joy, tell us about this book one more time. Make sure people know where to find it and what it's all about. Sixty Seasons: A Fishing Guide is the name of it by me, and uh, it's available on Amazon. Uh, it's going to help me buy a little bit more fish and tackle if you'll get one of these. Ten <laughs> percent of the proceeds for the three books that I've written go to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, more than great. glad to do that. I, it's, nice. it's it, you know, it, well, you give back. You yeah. know, it's a it's mm-hmm. giving some back to your community, and it's a it's full of fish and tips. I mean, full of fish and tips. And it's it, he said before the show started, you can highlight in it, you can dog dog ear the pages, you can uh, do whatever you want to. It's, it's a guide, it's just a guide. like my wife does her cooking books. You know? <laughs> there you go. You know, same thing. Let's not talk about our wives cooking. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe, it's been fun. It's been great. I Went appreciate in a hurry. You. Yeah. Appreciate you being here. Let's uh, let's go fishing. Let's do it. And maybe uh, we'll do another show with you sometime. And uh, here you got some pretty cool uh, dirt fishing. We yeah, we'll, we'll come to you next time, Joey. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, this is Tennessee Wildcast. Don, thank you. You bet. And I think it's only fair that we have Joey sign us off today. Yeah. Go for it. I'll be Tennessee and you. <laughs> there you go. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Stay connected with TWRA by visiting our website at tnwildlife.org. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hey, it's all about Tennessee wildlife. It's what we do. Tennessee Wildcast will be on the air again next week. We'll see you then. <laughs>